What is up, guys? Locked on Irish Podcast. It is a Friday edition of the show. How's everybody doing out there? I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host with the most or something like that, as I've heard it told before. Locked on Irish Podcast, the official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're following us out there. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Sound like a incoherent auctioneer, don't I? So how's everybody's Friday going? White Death has finally left us, even though there's some still on the ground out here in uh, the capital city. Here, Well, I guess we're not in the capital city. It was fun to think about, though. It was fun there for a second, had I been actually recording in Seabus, Ohio. But luckily I'm not in downtown Buckeye country, right? You know, it is a miserable existence here, I assure you. I assure you. We do get a little better weather, though, than, like, South Bend. So I guess that's the one thing I do have going for me. Flying solo today. Mark's out. Mark's actually at work. I am off on Fridays, so it makes it a little more convenient for me to just bust this one out on the Friday edition. So Friday afternoon, I hope your day's going well. It's about 3.30 here. So it's right about that time where you're just like, you're mailing it in. You're mailing it in on a Friday. You got about, if you work a normal job, you got about an hour and a half left, right? You're just thinking about the weekend, and if you're a government employee or public servant employee, you probably are off Monday, depending upon what you do. So got a nice little long three-day weekend. That'll be nice. So what's on tap for today? Mike Mickens, the new Notre Dame defensive back coach. Okay, kind of out of left field in my opinion. Just a little bit. I just, I did not expect that. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is when he was first hired... Uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, what else we got going on today? We got the Duke preview coming up. Going to be talking some Irish basketball, so we'll get there. But, uh, okay, now back to the subject at hand. I'm supposed to lay out the what we're going to talk about as I go, or at the start of the show, and then we'll get to them as we get to them, and then I completely forgot. So, yeah, we're going to get into some Duke basketball later. But this Mike Mickens thing, I my first thought, sadly, is I was like, what connection does he have to Brian Kelly? What connection does he have? And at first I was like, oh, this is brand new. He's off the fickle staff. Okay, all right, there's no connection. Well, turn to find out he played for Brian Kelly from 05 to 2008 down at Cincinnati, down on the river. Uh, I don't know how that escaped my mind. Uh, Good player down there too, man. Absolutely a good player. Uh, as a freshman, what, 51 tackles, uh, 15 passes defended, had one interception, 59 tackles as a sophomore, three interceptions, uh, played with D'Angelo Smith down there. They combined, his junior year, those two combined for 14 interceptions. That's, I mean, really good career. Really good career down there. Uh, he did return his senior year, uh, unfortunately had a, a knee injury, uh, did, did start 11 games that season. Uh, missed the last three regular season games. Uh, that really sucks. I, I hate that, man, especially for somebody. I cover uh, local high school sports, and anytime I see a senior go down, it just uh, pains my soul. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I played all four years. I was a varsity starter all four years in high school, and I never had an injury keep me out of any games and a couple scrimmages here and there, but never a game. And uh, just can't imagine what it feels like to lose a guy, you know, or have that injury, be that person that gets hurt your, your senior year. Uh, left the school as the career-leading uh, leader in interceptions. 
had 14 interceptions, 296 interception yards, started 46 of the 47 games he was there, 233 tackles, 48 passes defended, a sack, a forced fumble. This guy got any more eligibility left? Good Lord. I did not know all this about him. I knew the name, and I remember he played at Cincinnati. But I, for some reason, what for whatever reason, timeline was escaping me. And then after I started reading about the hire even further, I was like, oh, I bet he played for Kelly. There's our Kelly connection. There it is. Uh, I believe he was undrafted, right? Nope, nope. He was drafted in the seventh round. Wow. After that knee injury, man. I hope he took out a good insurance policy. That sucks. Seventh round pick. Actually played for the Cowboys. Signed with the practice squad. Trying to see what other info I can get you guys was with the Bucks, and this isn't we're digging too deep. We're on Wikipedia here, people. We're not doing anything too special. Came back to Cincinnati, played for the Bengals, and then signed with this Calgary Stampeders on in May. Released in June. Ugh. Decided to retire because of an injury. Started his coaching career at Cincinnati, then went to Indiana State. That defensive assistant position is an interesting one. I say defensive assistant, not really giving him a title. Remember, you know, if you're from my era, I'm 33, same as his era. Uh, he's 30, 32. I mean, whew, right there. We were just talking about the high school coach the other day that uh, was kind of getting a look from Kelly. And these coaches are getting younger and younger, man, or I'm getting older and older and we're catching up with each other. But it's funny, this defensive assistant, I think I see it more now than ever. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's always been there without a specific position title. I just feel like it's something I would have noticed. Um, but it does seem like this defensive just assistant blanket term. Uh, and I know that's the blanket term for if you are a, a you know, position coach of any, any kind, but, uh, Indiana state, Idaho, Bowling Green, uh, and then came back to Cincinnati in 2018, spent 14, 2014 to 2017 in Bowling Green. Um, it's safe to say that, uh, <laughs> this is the biggest job that he's ever had. I know it's just being a cornerback coach. Um, there's a lot of people that think he's going to be a star. Um, it really, it comes down to, in my opinion, can he recruit? Can he recruit? That's what I need to know. I got a talented guy who can obviously play the position. So guys are going to automatically respect you, in my opinion. Um, at least I always did. If you played the position, I, I automatically respect you. Uh, you know, I, I'm a nurse full time. That's my real job. And I always had more respect for my professors and instructors when they lived it. I had a, uh, mental health instructor who was in it, man. And when I say in it, think the craziest and, and just the, the most intense of mental health. And I say craziest because he worked some prison stuff too. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but, uh, yeah, he, he worked with some some interesting cats and uh, always sucked me in more. When you can speak from experience, and I think, you know, speaking from that point in time in my life, 18 to 22 years old, one of these kids, 18 to 22, knowing that what this guy's done, all he's accomplished, that he can play the position, um, you know, and he's better. His career stacks up better than anybody on the roster. So these guys are going to look up to him. At least they should. Uh, he's coached all conference players such as Nick Johnson, uh, Ahmad Gardner down at Cincy. Uh, what other info can I get you guys? Cincinnati ranked 8th and 24th in scoring defense in the last two seasons, ranked 13th and 15th in pass efficiency. I think that's up from like the 100 range actually too. When he got there in pass efficiency, he was something there Cincinnati was like something in the 100s and he worked them all the way up to 
eighth and twenty fourth or thirteenth and fifteenth. So, hey man, that uh, something to hang our hat on. And again, comes down to recruiting. I feel like this guy can identify with this Twitter generation. He can obviously identify with the players he's going to be coaching because it's not like he's coming and coaching tight ends and he's a cornerback or he's an offensive line coach and he was a cornerback. No, he's coaching his position. In my field, they would call that a subject matter expert. I like the hire. I do. And obviously he's going to get along with Kelly. He played for him. Uh, must have some liking to him there. Uh, Fickle stayed in Cincinnati, turned down a Big Ten job. Fickle must think he's building something there. So if this wasn't a better gig for this guy or or it wasn't a good fit for him, I got to imagine he would have stayed with Fickle down in Cincinnati because I think Fickle thinks he's building something. Now that MSU job, I think we're learning isn't as nice and as good as what we thought. I don't think, I think a lot of these big, this, we did, we did this subject, didn't we? Just a few months ago, how some non-Power 5 jobs are, are better than Power 5 jobs. But uh, ultimately, I like this hire. And uh, I look forward to the future and seeing what he can bring to the uh, cornerback group. Let us know what you think at Lockdown Irish on Twitter. New cornerback coach of the University of Notre Dame is Mike Mickens. All right, guys, back at it again. Locked on Irish podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So the other day I threw out the question to you guys, what do you guys think of Under Armour? You like Under Armour? I think it's overpriced, first off. I know when I was in school, so Under Armour, if you remember, do you remember when Under Armour was just like the compression shirt and everybody wanted it? And I remember, I mean, my family's middle class, pretty conservative with our money, and I wanted one so bad. We had a playoff game coming up. I think it was going to be like 22 degrees, and I was like, I have to have one of these. My mom went, and she looked, and she's like, nope. And I thought all day at school I was getting this thing. It was the day before the game, and she gets it, and she gives me a bag, and I pull it out, and I was like, yo, no, this, is, this isn't this is the right thing. And she's like, if you think I was paying for that, you're insane. So I got a worth, like, compression shirt, which to this day I still have. I wore it for two playoff games I covered this year. Shout out to Worth, a little free advertisement. Are they even still around? Is Worth even still around? I mean, I got my Worth. I mean, we're talking, this game was in 02. 02, I played in this thing. Now, granted, there's holes and cuts and tears and slits all over it, but it's still to this day the warmest thing I've, I can put on. I can put that thing on right now. I'm going to start sweating, I promise you. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it was like 24 bucks, I think. I think it was, and I, I kept that thing. That thing's going to dry rot off me one day. But to the point at hand, do you like Under Armour? I think they've done well enough. Let's put it this way. I like it because they're with Notre Dame, obviously. In fact, my team at East of the Bend, all we wear is Under Armour based off of, uh, you guessed it, what Notre Dame wears on a game day, on any day. I mean, we are, a pair, you know, everything we're outfitted by Under Armour. So I keep my team consistent with Notre Dame or Under Armour. Um, but I see debates and I listen to people talk all the time about either they hate it or, you know, they wish they had Nike or this or that. Now, I will say the shirts and stuff, you go to Ham's bookstore and you're, you're looking at the shirts and this, and I swear every style fits different. I cannot get a large in this moisture wicking material with this dome design and go over here and get the same exact sh material, supposedly, and with the leprechaun on it. And I, it, the large will not be the same. It'll be like down to my knees, but the the uh, the sleeves are halfway up my bicep. Or you'll get some that the it's like a, a dog with a, a cone on its head on your arms. I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's the most inconsistent clothing I've ever seen in my life. 
And there for a while when they first came over to Notre Dame, good luck finding a cotton shirt. I mean, there are times I see some of the Nike stuff, and I'm like, that is dope. But we'll never be Nike's number one. You know, I think they would be, I know they're always going to be Oregon's number one, but I could see them being Ohio State's number one before they give us that platform if we were ever decide to go that route. But we've never been Nike. We've been Adidas. We've been, what, champion, right? I believe we were champion at one point in time. Um, I don't know, man. I, I do like the Jordan brand. I'll tell you that. I know that's a subdivision of, a uh, sub-brand of Nike. But my buddy is a Michigan fan, and that stuff is nice. And I see the Oklahoma stuff. It's nice. I'm not even going to lie. The way it's put together. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not buying any Michigan stuff. I know. I know. The same guy that wants Notre Dame in a conference likes stuff that has Michigan on it. Yep, go tell your friends that shit. But no, I mean, it, it, you know, it is it is what it is. I, I think it's not well put together. I think it's durable. It seems durable. It seems like it fits, consistently fits. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that stuff. I mean, I'm sitting here looking, getting ready to do the Duke preview and I got my, uh, info up, got my notes up and I see their, their gear. They've always been rel- pretty much a Nike school. Um, you know, I think Nike's probably got just about as expensive and I do have a few Nike like running spandex kind of things that they do well, um, good for performance. Um, but when I think back to how Under Armour started, I mean, the guy started what selling that out of the back of his car and now it's blown up into what it is. It's kind of incredible. I do know, I do remember when the cleats were garbage. Oh my gosh, those things hurt my feet so bad. When they first branched out from being just that shirt and they were getting into cleats, oh, those those cleats were horrible. I have a pair of cleats now I play uh, adult league flag football in. They're, they're nice. I, I feel like they do well. Uh, but yeah, give us your opinion. I, I want to know. I want to hear what people think about this because there's mixed opinion all over the place. I like so. I'm gonna finish with this. I'll say this. I'll finish this way too long discussion about brand. Uh, I need somebody, a fashion aficionado, in here. I it's better than Adidas because what I see Adidas rolling out is hot garbage, hot, piping hot garbage. Um, so I would rather stick with Under Armour for now. You know, if the time ever came to go to Nike, I guess I'd be in. I mean, some of their stuff's really cool, but you're going to get some over-the-top designs for the Shamrock Series. Living here in Central Ohio, unfortunately, I get to hear about when Ohio State changes over to the black uniforms. That's a Nike thing. People have always hated it. They always seem to come up with the alternate uniform against Michigan. How are you going to go anything with anything different from that? Most One of the most historical rivalries in all of sport, and you're going to send Ohio State out there sometimes without... The scarlet and gray, that's an yeah, that's an insult. That's an insult. You gotta have those two classic uniforms playing in that classic game. And I could see them going a little too over the top for Notre Dame versus SC, you know, Notre Dame versus Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan State, uh, pick a rivalry. I could see them maybe going a little over the top. I think Under Armour's done well with this Shamrock series. I think they've played to the newer generation, paid homage to the older generation, and everybody seems relatively happy with it, except for the people that uh, the old man with the Muppet at the Muppet Show uh, up in the corner of the of the uh, arena, um, or in this case, stadium, I guess. Um, you're never going to satisfy those people. I remember I had an argument with an old man one time in South Bend. He was just one of those ones, you weren't satisfying him unless you reduced the stadium size to 15,000. Newt Rockney came back to life, and they had leather helmets on. But I basically just told him, I don't care if they wear pink every week. If they win every game, I don't care. It's for the kids anyway. 33 years old, man. This ain't for me. I'm a 33-year-old guy who didn't play there. 
I'm I, this isn't for me. This is for them. If they're stoked about it, in fact, that's a direction I'm taking my taking east of the bend. Um, my original operation is we're going to interact more with the kids. Uh, we've always been like labeled credential media, and that's fine. And we do have to be non-biased to a certain extent. Um, well, for the most part, we are. We have to be non-biased, especially playoff games, stuff like that. Can't. It's not like we can cheer, but we are working for the school in a sense or boosters or you know whoever wants to foot the bill. But we're going we've started with the girls basketball team we're with now is working more with the kids directly and just hey, what do you guys want? Uh, from anything from hashtags to graphics, what do you guys want? Do you want hype videos? Do you want your games to be hot just highlights, just a straight highlight? What do you guys want? And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And I'm pretty sure Under Armour probably does something similar to that. Now I will say basketball has been way 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 easier especially with a young team that we're covering right now, three three upperclassmen, that's it. So I lean on my upperclassmen to discuss certain things. And, uh, you know, I just think, I think that's the best way to go because let's think about it like this, and this is how I thought about it. Let's say Under Armour came up with some wild hashtag for Notre Dame and or, you know, like I do for the teams we cover. What if the kids hate it? So you're rolling with this whole campaign and the kids despise it. And you're labeling everything on social media, every poster, every little everything at Notre Dame is labeled with this whatever, and they hate it. No. Talk to them. you got to communicate with them. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's not for us. It's for them. So what is for us, what's coming up here, is a little Duke preview right after this. All right, guys. It's coming. Duke, Duke, Duke. Oh, Coach K, the Shashevsky one. 21 and 3, 11 and 2 in the league. Um, this isn't the Zion team, but man, you know, this is a team that beat us by 22 points at home last year. It probably wasn't even that close. You know, they, they lived by the skin of their teeth through the tournament. They did lose some guys, but it's Duke. I mean, Duke is looking like Duke, too. It's it sucks <laughs> to be honest with you. I know I'm sitting here and I'm saying like, ugh, I just I'm not a Duke fan. I've never been a Duke fan, but they're looking like Duke, and it, it really scares me tomorrow night. It, it really does. I we're gonna struggle. We are definitely gonna struggle. Now this team is without R.J. Barrett. This team's without Cam Reddish, Zion, uh, Marquise Bolden, all gone. Uh, Brennan Bracer is also gone. He was a walk on. I don't think they lose anybody else of note, but they bring in guys like Wendell Moore, Vernon Carey, Matthew Hunt, uh, Cassius Stanley. I mean, come up four, four or three five stars and a four star. Ugh, man. And that's just from last season. You know, it's this game, it's going to be tough, man. This is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough one. I, I don't know what else to say right now. Um, it, because it really looks like they're finding their stride. Uh, we really needed to get that game against Virginia. Right now, they're on a six-game win streak. Wins over Florida State. They had the overtime kind of miracle over North Carolina. And I know North Carolina is not good, but that is the rivalry. Uh, and that's at the tail end of a three-game uh, roadie. Had Syracuse, BC, to NC all on the road. Their last losses, they did lose to Clemson. So they've shown some vulnerability. They had the early season loss to Stephen F. Austin. Who, you know, they're a solid team, though. That's a solid mid-major. Everybody's looking at that like, oh, yeah. And, again, 
again, let me just preface this by saying, I know this isn't Zion's team. So the, are they down in a sense? Absolutely. But right now they're just they're just looking like Duke again, and that's a problem. I wish I could give you more something more in depth than that, but that's is what it is. Um, you know that Stephen F. Austin. You know they came out, they punched him, beat him in overtime. But again, they were twenty two and three. That's a good good team. Uh, let's look at Stephen F. Austin, who they lost to Rutgers. Good, Bama, fine, and they lost to uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Chris, Crispy Christie by one. You know, so that was a decent team that they got beat by. Nothing, and they were still trying to find their legs without guys like Zion. I mean, and having to go down there and play this game is going to even be more of a struggle. I mean, they're looking like they're primed to probably win the SEC or ACC at this point. Uh, Right now, I mean, Vernon Carey leads the team in points. I mean, this is a type of team where I'm not sure how much of a preview I have to give you guys. Uh, 17 and a half points a game. Cassius Stanley, 12-3. Trey Jones, uh, 15-6. Matthew Hunt, 10 and a half. I mean, I don't see many weaknesses we can exploit on this team. Uh, they don't shoot a whole lot of threes. They rank near the bottom of all of college basketball in shooting threes, but they're in the top 100 in making threes. Um, you know, you got to even get it like a guy like Joey Baker who's played in 22 of 24 games, shoots for over 40%. So he's gonna. If you see him on the floor, have a hand in his face it would be your best option. Uh, this team's averaging, I mean, 141 blocks on the season, seventh in the country. Uh, Vernon Carey and he's leads the team, getting almost two blocks a game. They like to cause turnovers. They they rebound well. They score really well, scoring 82.6 points a game, holding their opponents to 66 difference of 16.6 points. Ugh. Third in the country in scoring. Man, this is... Can we get back, like, Pat Connaughton for the weekend? Does he have any uh, eligibility left? Or Coach Mickens? I mean, we need some athletes. We need some bodies, man. Oh, my goodness. And we need Hub. I mean, Hub's due at this point. At this point, um, that's what I'm hanging my hat on, is that Prentice Hub is just due. Let's go with that. Um, Because I don't know exactly where... I'm not sure exactly where we're going to beat this team. I guess that's my biggest problem. You you look at a guy like uh, Vernon Carey. He's 6'10", 270 down inside. And are we going to put Durham against him, which probably will? Um, but Durham isn't even playing that many minutes. You know, Carey's leading the team and basically everything. You know, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to be able to defend Carey? And you got a guy like Tyus Jones scoring 15-6 a game. He's getting at least one three-pointer every game, shooting over 30% from behind the arc. I mean, it's just very, very frustrating of how are we going to defend this team. I'm not sure. I'm not real sure how we defend this team. You know, we're going to have to go eight deep. Jogu's going to have to give us something off the bench. We have to have something. I mean, Kerry can stretch you out, too. You know he's hit five threes on the season. Five threes on the season from a big guy. So before we get too much further, let me just chuck this out here to you guys, to you big guys out there, the big guys or the little guys, really, whoever just wants to pay pay us the cashish. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that Locked On to Irish is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Notre Dame fans just like you. 
Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach loyal podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Notre Dame fans and predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. So let's get back after it here. Keep previewing this team. I mean, Duke is Duke. is. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, take a drink every time I've said it so far. I mean, I'm trying to find a weakness on this team that we can exploit. I think the keys to this game is we have to make shots. Okay, yes, got it. That's as good as saying, if you're watching MMA fight and a guy's doing bad, and it's like, punch him. Yeah, he's got that part. Or he's down on the ground being held down. Get out of there. He's got that part. But it's true. We need to be more efficient. I can't have Prentice Hub going 2 of 11. I can't have Gibbs going... One for 15. I need some production out of Fluger, which we've got recently. Uh, Not against Virginia recently, but we've gotten some recently. I I need Mooney to be on. I need Mooney to be on like he's never been on before. I mean, Mooney's a big body. I think with Carey's ability to stretch the floor and actually hit a three, you're going to have to play Mooney against him, I guess. Uh, You got Trey Jones. You got Cassius Stanley. I mean, these guys are... They are what they are, and they're going to give us fits. They're absolutely going to give us fits. Uh, just looking at the last couple games here, I was trying to see. I mean, it's been since Wake Forest on January 11th since Vernon Carey hasn't scored double digits. And I think you basically live with his production in this game. You live with his production. Send him to the line. See what you can do there. I mean, he's 63.8% free throw shooter. Don't get into foul trouble. Send him to the line. I think where we can take advantage tomorrow, and this is this is pretty much the way we can win this game. I, I think this is actually maybe the only way we can win this game, is I think the key is going to be, how's our bench play? How's our bench play? They got nine guys. They're going to roll nine guys out there tomorrow. Joey Baker, Trey Jones, Stanley, White are all going to come off the bench, and they're all going to give them something, Okay. Nine deep, they all average over 13 minutes a game. There's none of this, Jogu comes in for a minute. Can Jogu give us two or three points? Can Dane give us 12? Can Leshevsky give us another 12? And they both have the ability to hit threes. The three ball is going to be crucial. Keep the Cameron crazies out of the game as much as possible. Punch them in the mouth early. Get out early. Play good defense. And Mooney's going to have to rebound. We're going to have to put our rebounding to the test against this team. They're in the top 100 in rebounds. This is going to be a challenge. This is why the Virginia loss hurts so bad. It's exactly why it hurts so bad, because you get that Tier 1 win. You get the Virginia win. You jump above them in the standings. All's looking up at with the world. And then if you beat Duke, icing on the cake, man, you might have seal, sealed a tournament bid with wins over Virginia and Duke and, like, two more scrub wins, and we got scrubs coming. We got scrubs coming. We got Miami. We got BC. We got NC. We got stuff coming where we could cherry pick. We could get in with 19 wins with Duke and Virginia. Now, I'm not saying that this win wouldn't go a long way, but the problem is we have no equity anymore. We have no equity anymore. No more overhead. No more house money. No. 
we have Duke in front of us, and this is almost a must-win, in my opinion, for the tournament's sake. Now, if you guys are thinking NIT, uh, whatever, I mean, I'm not thinking NIT. The way this season's gone for teams, I mean, we got seven regular season games left, and we need a statement win. There's no more out there other than Florida State next to the last game of the year. We need a Tier 1 statement win. I don't think it comes tomorrow. 4 p.m. tip, I just don't think it comes. But the opportunity is there. We control what we can control. We can win this game. It's not a night game, so they've got that going for us. It won't be as crazy. But again, we have to make shots. We have to rebound well. We have to be aggressive. And we need guys that just don't shoot one for 100 tomorrow night. And I think we can hang in there. I look for this game to be close. That's just our style. But I'll say Duke 80-71, pulling away late. I just don't think we're going to be able to hit enough key shots down the stretch. I think they will out-athlete us, and their bench will eventually take over. So I hope you guys really, really enjoyed the show today. I know it's just, it's never optimistic with me, is it? Never. Make sure you're following us out there, Locked on Irish Facebook, Twitter, at Locked on Irish. Make sure you're listening to us, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So probably get you in another show tomorrow, and I will lay out the content on Twitter later on today. So until next time, go Irish. Go Irish.